Welcome back to Fifty Fifty Films. I'm Peter, and I'm Autumn. Oh, we we're we're done. Our summer's over. It's not over, but we we've done pretty much all the things that require us to leave town. Um, basically, I mean, we've got probably got a couple of little fun things we're gonna do, but that's just us, and we don't have to talk to anybody. Oh, that was the problem. Yeah. <laughs> We're just coming back. It's a Tuesday again. We're just coming back. Hopefully our last Tuesday recording for a long, long time. We'll get back oh to our regular record Tuesday, upload Sunday. Wait, record Sunday, upload Wednesday. Yes. That's what we do. Uh, anyway. This, this week, <laughs> as I intimated on the Instagram, 5050 Films. Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Um, we didn't get to pick our own movies. Because we had friends and family and this this uh, endless array of interaction and no uh, alone time. Um, so the first one Autumn's going to explain that was picked by her friend Becca. Yes, my Becca, my Becca, your, Be- your Becca <laughs> oh my friend. Gosh. It's always passed. different when we're when we're recording at night too. I feel like you can tell when it's night and not the afternoon, just because of the way we are lower energy and say weird things. Um, my friend Becca came to stay with us for a couple of days, and she thought I would like this movie called Instant Family. So I was like, well, let's just watch it because Peter and I need to figure out how to fit some movies into this week when we're not going to be home. So uh, that's what we did. Instant Family is a 2018 comedy drama film starring Mark Wahlberg, Rose Byrne, and Isabel Merced. Pete and Ellie, uh, Wahlberg and Burns' characters, are successful home flippers, but feel there is something missing in their marriage. They make the decision to adopt from foster care. After meeting Lizzie, played by Merced, they decide to not only bring her into their home, but her younger siblings, Juan and Lita, as well. What starts out as a happy addition to the family suddenly becomes incre- increasingly more difficult, making Pete and Ellie question if they are doing the right thing at all. When the kid's mom begins the process of regaining custody, the situation gets even more complicated. Instant family is about families in all forms and how sometimes the most difficult decisions we make can lead to the most rewarding outcomes. I gave this movie a 3.5 stars and Peter gave it a 2.5 star rating. Yes, it was a movie. And that's pretty much all I have to say. No, we'll talk about it more, but like... I. I didn't love this movie. Why is that? I don't know. It just I'm not a I'm not like a feel good family movie guy. Okay, and why is that? I don't know. I just don't like You it. don't like to feel good? No, I, I just I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I like I like cool shots, right? You know, in in a film. Like mm-hmm. action movies are full of cool shots a lot. Or like mm-hmm. cool scenes where it's like Holy shit! They they had to film that. That's badass. Mm-hmm. Um, and or like, and then like I don't. I'm not like you know when I look for genres of books and stuff. I'm looking for like action or adventure stuff or like fantasy or sci-fi, like stuff that has things that I can imagine. Because like I, I I have a pretty active imagination. Whenever I read stuff, I get the whole like movie thing that mm-hmm. some people get. And, and like, nothing cool happens in a in a like 
feel-good family movie. Okay, that's right? actually a really good point. However, so but it's, it's it's but like at the same time, like sometimes you get those really like punchy scenes, right? right. And, and so if we're talking something like Google Hunting, that's an mm-hmm. adult movie. Right, because they swear all the time. It's not for kids. Right, but I feel like there there has to be an artsy element of yes. it too, and that kind of fits into what yes. you're saying. Whereas the family movies don't typically have that. Yes. So this this is a movie that that I don't want to be mean, but it doesn't have that like artistic merit as a film to me. It I don't think that's mean. It doesn't have the like. It's not. There's no art house element. There's no like. You know, like it, their their whole like thesis statement is like everyone should try to be a foster parent if you think it will work for you. Like it, it can be very rewarding, kind of thing. I don't necessarily think that's the thesis. I think the thesis is this is something that people don't know about. Yeah, and let's like bring some awareness to what this process is like because what I liked about this movie is it did not glamorize that process at all. I I told my friend Becca who had suggested it throughout. The entirety of the movie, I felt every single thing. Like, oh, this is something that I could do. To, oh my gosh, I would never ever do this. To, like, oh, this would be really hard, but it looks like it's really rewarding. To, like, oh my gosh, this would be hell. Like, I felt that whole roller coaster the whole time, um, which I think is kind of what the movie set out to do. I don't think it's necessarily trying to convince people to be foster parents. I think it's trying to bring awareness to something that is important. Yeah, I think there were parts of this movie that felt like a Foster Parents commercial to me. I mean, I know that's not why it was made. It's made because the director had this basically same experience with him and his wife, and he thought it would be a great movie, right? I think that's how it went. went. Um, And, like, there's nothing wrong with making a movie like that. I think that's a pretty noble reason to want to make a film, right? That's like, Mm -hmm. this is a great idea. I want to do this, and I, I... yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's cool by me. But yeah, there's just I just, you know, it it, it wasn't like in the same thing as like yesterday. Mhm. If you remember? Yes, I do remember. Like that was what well, after we had started the project but before we started the podcast. Yes. <laughs> like I th- I was like that I mean that movie was like I don't, I don't you know, the jokes are for kids, right? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And like I just I didn't I wasn't quite into that one. It just you know it doesn't didn't hit what I want in a movie. Um, and like this is a little bit of the same way. I mean there were some funny parts. There were some parts where I was like, why is this the thing that's being played for laughs? Like I don't find this funny. Um, like the weird like to me every time they were they do they would do these group therapy meetings where they'd all get together as like the support group for all the parents that were mm-hmm. trying to foster to foster adopt. kids. Um, and my lord, it was just like the laugh track goofy parade in there. Like everyone was just, <laughs> oh look, they said one thing, <laughs> and it's like it's like it, I, I I didn't think that was funny, and it was like supposed to be played like the oh we're all just you know having having fun, laughing at each other, laughing at ourselves, and it's like no, it just it seems completely like disingenuous and like really weird to me because. No one, not a soul. You couldn't. You couldn't randomly fill a room with, with like twelve different wannabe family or wannabe parents, essentially, and and have them all be like, <laughs> like like laughing. It, it didn't seem real. It just didn't seem okay. real. There was there was no there was no part of that where I could suspend my disbelief and just go, oh yeah, you know, everyone would be laughing at these people who are having this like honeymoon period of new parents, mm-hmm. like. Like, it, it, people wouldn't be laughing. 
the real world is not that like it's not that like weird because it's weird that they would all be laughing also, you know people have based on the emotions they were trying to portray there i feel like it would have been a little bit more of like merciless laughter or yeah, like yeah it, it was <laughs> all this like good-natured chuckles and they're like what, what the hell are you guys doing this, this place sucks like they kept like making fun of I don't like Eliza, Eliza Schlesinger, but she was in this movie um, as like a. I thought her an role was actually character. funny. She was basically trying to be the blind side, which is something they call her out for doing. So she like specifically wants a male African American foster child who is good at sports because she's trying to like live out some weird twisted fantasy. Yeah, which was just strange. It didn't really fit with... It, they just brought her up at the most random times. Um, it didn't really fit with the rest of the plot of the movie. I didn't hate it, but it did feel... It was cringy, of course. It was um, cringy. It felt like she was just there so that, that to close out each of those little group therapy segments, the gay couple could take a crack at her. That's what it seemed like. And they did it like every time. And I was like... They didn't make any sense to me. Um, they are there. There are two men... They foster a little girl, or, or maybe a, I think they foster a boy and a girl, and then there's like another very Christian family, and they foster a like sociopathic five-year-old. Five um, so there's some anecdotes about that. Um, but these two men, um, seem like they would hate each other. <laughs> they have absolutely nothing in common. Like one of them is like the most like boring, like does not speak kind of guy and then the other guy is just like super animated and social and like maybe maybe that does work and i just it was just hard to believe because they weren't fleshed out enough to make it believable they were just like these cardboard caricatures where i was like how did these two end up together yeah yeah (laughs) because they you know all those characters weren't they weren't fleshed out at all they were just like little like side character pieces yeah with with no no development or anything like that they were just those characters right yeah and I don't know. I, I think the other thing I really liked about this movie is I like Tom Segura. You know, I think he's funny. He was hardly in it, but yeah, he's barely in this movie. But he's the like the brother of uh, Ellie. Is it Ellie. I think he's her brother. Yeah, he's. Her, I don't know. I think he's her brother. Oh, okay. And the other lady is the the sister-in-law. The in-law, yeah. Um, it was what it seemed like to me. That's the dynamic I was getting. Yeah. Like, like he talked to her more than the his wife did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you know it, it was because it was the grandma interactions. He would call her mom. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. And but like he's kind of an asshole. You know, it's it's what he's playing in the movie. Um. And I just felt like I love Tom Segura. I didn't think his comedy was meshing perfectly like they wanted it to. I think. I think his stuff was just a little bit too, like, they were all jokes that Tom Segura would make, but they were they all they seemed just a little too like, out of place, just a little yeah. bit, a little like off, like if the movie had had a different tone or didn't feel like a Hallmark film, that it would have fit better, right? Yeah. But it was the wall. It was Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne's reactions to his jokes that were like, oh on or like you know like that that like they're like oh stop it it's like it would have been like oh shut up (laughs) you know it it, it was their reactions to his jokes didn't fit it didn't quite click together for me yeah i don't know that's coming as a person who like saw tom segura and went oh shit tom segura i love tom segura yeah and then like was just kind of disappointed by his character in this 
I don't know if that's because he was acting a little wrong or he should have tried to match if he was supposed to match or if they were just having weird interactions. It, it just didn't seem right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For the sake of um, not just saying negative things yeah, the entire yeah, time, like I, said, I, I have some positive and negative things I want to say. So even though I feel like the negative ones blend a little better into what Peter just said, but I am going to say the positive ones first just to like switch it up a little bit. I think the best parts about this movie are the kids' performances uh, and Grandma Sandy in her yes, performance. Yes, Grandma Margot Martindale. She does a great job. actress Margot Martindale. Yeah, and I wish she had had, and we, we talked about this, I think, like, she had had more characterization yes. because she's super interesting yes. and apparently Pete was like a troubled child as yeah. well and she like the there's hooligan. this this scene where she's saying like I really feel for these kids because I had a similar upbringing to them and they don't explore that any further like Pete and Ellie don't you know yeah. ask like oh my gosh you're going to be such a good resource for us you care about these kids you had a similar upbringing like what can we do um but her performance overall as the grandma character was, I felt, so good and so endearing. And the kids were incredible. And the, the younger two really, like, blew me away. Because the um, Gustavo Escobar is playing this, like, accident-prone, like, very emotionally immature child who, who has, like, you know, cries at the drop of a hat, who, like, puts a staple Zero common sense. foot at one point. Yeah. yeah, like, he had a lot of, like big things that he had to do and I feel like it was very believable yeah. and then the the girl who plays Lita like she's throwing fits and like has to do these big emotional moments and I feel like I feel like all of them the three of them um d- gave the best performances of the movie yeah uh we also got to see because of that the in- inaccurate the film always inaccurately depicts nail guns and this isn't really a knock against this movie particularly, but it's just like a, a fun anecdote. You never see a nail gun in a movie be used or like ha- be a, fu- a fully like a normal nail gun. So in real life, a nail gun has the trigger and it has this like push thing at the front of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you push the nail gun in and you pull the trigger and it pops a nail into the thing. That, that push thing in the front is a safety. So you can't just like point a nail gun at someone and pull the trigger and shoot them with a nail, right? It doesn't work like that. There are probably ways to modify a nail gun so that it would work like that. And I'm sure there are nail guns that have slightly less safety features mm-hmm. because they're like designed for job sites. So this maybe fits it fixes this thing. But literally, the kid drops a nail gun onto his foot. The safety catch depresses and shoots a nail into his foot with nothing in the trigger area. And I was like, okay. <laughs> because, like, you know, you're supposed to, you push that safety to, like, really line it up so you know where the nail's gonna go, you know? And, like, sometimes you can just do it fast if you're good at a nail gun or whatever, you know? I don't know. doesn't matter. But, like, I, I was like, I was like, ah, they, they did it again. <laughs> Usually, though, you see just pull the trigger and the nail shoots out. You don't see the safety mechanism being activated for any nail guns that I've seen in film or video games or anything right it's always just like a, i could fire it like a gun now it's like no it's not, it's not how nail guns work not new ones anyway not nail guns from 2019 or 2018 when this movie came out right <laughs> like i don't know well i had a hard time getting behind for this movie was just the overall motivation of our main characters so the way this movie opens up is we have tom segura and his wife and they're saying that they're struggling with infertility and they're like asking ellie and pete like 
are you guys ever going to have kids? Like, are you even going to try to have kids? And then magically, like, it's the first time they've ever considered it. And Ellie and Peter are like, oh my gosh, like, maybe we should have kids. And then they decide to adopt. And then the whole process from there on out. And, and this is something, like, very much was able to suspend my disbelief because I understood that it was for the... Yeah. the pacing of the movie but everything just moves so fast like they just like got their foster training and then they went to this picnic and they got to basically like shop for kids they like went and like talked to some of the kids and Lizzie kind of cussed them out um, for trying to go near the teenagers and saying things about how sad it is you know that the teenagers are in foster care and stuff and then they like her character so they're like oh we're gonna uh, adopt her. They find out she has siblings. They say, we'll take all three of them. They just, like, go for it. They bring them home. It's, like, such a fast process when in real life, like, that's such a... There's so many legalities to that 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 could never have happened that fast. Let alone the fact that they decided that so fast. That was, like, actually a little bit disconcerting for me. Let's do it! Yeah, I was like, this is makes me think that maybe you're not the right people for this. Yeah, or, <laughs> like, like, that's like, that's like something that, like, an ultra-rich person could decide. Like, oh, yeah. I'll take several children. Yeah. And then, like, make it happen, like, in a month. Yeah. It was also surprising to me that this movie was from 2018, because it felt older to me. Yes, it felt like mid-2010s. Mid yeah, and it looked old. Like, it looked darker. Like, I, I don't... I don't know if that's, like, necessarily correct, but just, like, something about the, like, actual <laughs> visuals of it. Yeah, I think part of that is the fact that our TV is running at a higher hertz now, and we're, like, seeing movies in a way that they probably shouldn't be watched based on how old they are. Oh, okay. Like, even if it is a couple years old, like, if the movie wasn't shot to be in 4K, I think there might be a setting we can activate to do that, but I don't know. But like I think that a lot of the a lot of the like look stuff was definitely the fact that our TV is like okay. nicer now, so we aren't seeing it in the older style like we would have been before. Oh okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably everything that we we have to say about Instant Family. Yeah, I don't really have anything special to say. I don't think it's a super memorable movie. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I know I know you didn't as much, um, but even as someone who enjoyed it, I don't think it's something that's gonna like really stick out to me at the end of the year I think it could easily be one of those movies that becomes one of those like what's a movie we watched you can't remember sort of thing so yeah it could be and maybe yeah. maybe the next one could be too actually um wait till you hear about that one but first let's go to the media break yep once again I have not watched any movies by myself yeah, this is going to be a short one, or shorter. I don't even have more to talk about than me, because the way, the way our week was out, I didn't do shit. I didn't do anything all week, but yeah, yeah no movies from my end. Okay, gotcha. Let's continue. Um, what's after that? TV we watched together. We started Ted Lasso Season 3. We did. On what, like Monday of last week, before anybody came over? Yep, just the first episode, but it was already so good. And I just kept looking over at Peter and smiling, because it just felt so good to like be back with the Richmond team. Yeah, AFC Richmond, baby. Yeah, so not super far in that one uh, yet, but... Hopefully we'll have some more updates next week. Um, I just love Ted Lasso. It's one of my top three favorite shows, and it's not even over yet. And I say that confidently. What am I watching by myself? Well, when Becca was over, we watched... So I had watched 
while I was waiting for her to arrive, the first two episodes of season one of Claim to Fame. I heard about it on the Armchair Export Expert podcast, uh, which is hosted by Dax Shepard and Monica Padman. They had interviewed the Donut... Why can't I talk today? The Jonas Brothers. <laughs> um, and... They were asking about Frankie, the youngest brother, and Kevin said, oh, we actually host this show together. It's really cool. And um, that Joe was actually the one who pitched it because he and, and his wife love it so much. And basically the whole concept for the show is you have a house full of people who are related to a celebrity and you have to figure out who is related to who. Um, and if people find you out, then you get voted out of the house. Um, and then it keeps going until someone wins. So I'd watched the first two episodes of that and was basically addicted and I was like, really excited about the premise and I was like telling my friend Becca about it and basically I had explained the whole first two episodes so then we had gone out to lunch and like done some shopping and stuff and I was like oh we should just watch the third episode I can show it to you and then she got hooked and then we binged the entire first season together in one day which was really fun actually and um I'm excited to watch the second season but I am not going to even start it until it's all out because I just prefer to, to watch it that way but um it was so fun too because for some of them like you w maybe wouldn't know who it is but then they tell you and you're like oh my gosh obviously like like the woman who won I'm about to spoil season one so you know maybe skip ahead if you're interested in watching claim to fame um but she was Kiki Palmer's sister and it was it was so obvious after she said it, but I did not have a clue before then. Like, once she said it, you looked at her face, and you were like, oh my gosh, obviously. She just but, looks like Kiki Palmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from then on out, you know? Um, but yeah, so I watched that, and I think that's the only thing I, I really watched. Um, my friend Gina and I are still watching Never Have I Ever season four, but we've had to skip a couple weeks, and we're going to be skipping this next week, too, so... Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Last last week I talked about uh, Shiny Happy People, the Duggar documentary. I haven't had a chance to keep watching that, but that's something that if the mood strikes me, you know, I get those cult uh, interest moods every once in a while, then I'll keep going with that. Yeah. Um, I don't think I watched a single thing by myself this week. Okay. I don't know when you would have had time, so yeah, that makes sense. I wouldn't have. Um... For books, I had I finished Our Wives Under the Sea, which I was reading for my in-person book club. I also had that meeting. Um, it went really well. I did not like the book very much. I gave it three stars. Um, I was happy it was short. Um, and that seemed to be the consensus from book club as well. So um, that's that. And then I am... Oh, I also need to say that the library took away my uh, audiobook of Cinema Speculation by Quentin Tarantino. And I have decided I don't care. And um, a bunch of people have it on hold, and uh, so I just stopped reading it. Um, so I'm going to start. I started a middle grade audiobook called Other Words for Home. Uh, I try to keep up with some, like, fourth, fifth grade books every now and then, just because I'm going to school to be an elementary teacher, and fourth and fifth is my favorite grades, and I love being able to recommend stuff to them that I, like, actually know what it's about and have read it recently. Um, and it's been a while since I picked something up, so I think that one will be good. And physically, I have been reading a book called She Started It by Sean Gilbert, which is about a girl who invites four other girls who had bullied her in high school to be her bridesmaids and come to this remote island, and then people start dying. Hmm. Yep. I'm about well, two-thirds of the way through that one, so. Interesting. Yeah, that's it. 
Have you read? I finished No Guns Life. What's that? Um, it's a manga about a dude with a head who's a rev- that's a revolver. And it's a very cyberpunk story I've talked oh, about you, before. Oh, you did mention that. Um, yeah. And it was only like 80-something chapters, and it's completed, so I, I read the whole thing. Um, and that was fun. And now I'm starting Kengen Ashura, uh, which is about the underground uh, world of uh, fighting in Japan uh, that dictates business decisions and determines who gets contracts for what. Um, and that's been pretty interesting so far. I haven't gotten very far in it. Um, the main character um, is this like crazy bastard who's just like he's like insanely powerful, and uh, you know he's won every fight so far. So we'll see if he continues to win. And now that we're home and you can like actually read actual books again, what are you gonna? Do uh, I'll probably continue next? to read uh, the. Um, Lovecraft. Lovecraft book and some more of the nature stories book. I'll try to intersperse those because I can I can cut them up into pieces. Um, and I'm I'm I started a new book that wasn't on my original list um, called uh, Murder Your Employer, a McMaster's Guide to Homicide um, that my boss ordered for the library and has looked very interesting, so I picked it up. Um, and that one seems pretty cool. Uh, the whole concept is. There are people throughout history who have been, who are murderers that have been like, that have gotten away with it. Uh, one of them being Houdini's wife. Uh, one of them being James Garfield's wife. That this is a funny concept of like, oh, it was actually a murder, and you, yeah. nobody knows. It was thought to be an accident. That sort of thing. So yeah. But I think it it's, it follows like three different people who have gone to the McMaster School of. Getting away with murder, essentially. Okay, that's fun. That's kind of neat. All right, well, hopefully we'll have a a more involved media break next week now that we're back to our real lives. Um, Yep, and I played some Destiny, but that's about it. I almost forgot we even had that category. Yeah, I got to throw that little note in there sometimes. (laughs) Still playing Destiny. It's been six months. Still playing Destiny. The Mustang is a horse drama movie from 2019 starring... Matthias Schoenertz and Bruce Dern. The movie begins with Roman Coleman getting transferred into a Nevada horse prison, a prison where the inmates are rehabilitated by horse exposure. The horses are also prisoners, having been captured as fugitives from their natural habitat, the desert. The prisoners break the wild horses and get them ready to be sold in an auction. By the end of the film, the one nicer inmate has been murdered by Roman's cellmate, Roman has seemingly vaguely improved his relationship with his daughter. Roman kills his cellmate. The horse program gets shut down, and Roman helps his horse, Marquis, escape from prison. All throughout, there's barely any dialogue, and the end shows some pictures of the real-life horse crew, revealing one of the actors was an actual prisoner. That is all. We know that for a fact now. I mean, it looked like one. (laughs) Couldn't find one on IMDb, so I assume that he was... A prisoner because they didn't give him credit for any any of his acting in the movie. Okay, what did you rate this one? I don't even know. This like is a, two. This is a two point five. I mean, I give it a two, I guess. This is a French movie. Is it really? It's an American movie, but it's a French movie. the The lead actor, Matthias Schoenarts, is Belgian. Okay. Um, the director is French. Um, it's basically just a French movie with an American setting. Okay. In English. Um, and uh, 
I'm surprised because there was a point midway through where I was, I, I, I was like, it struck me that it reminded me of a movie that I watched in the, um, oh, I think it was called, I, I thought it was The Block. I might be wrong. Um, there's like this French movie, it's not The Block, it's something else. Um, there's like this French prison movie where, you know, you kind of follow like this one inmates, like when he gets in, like the whole way throughout his like experience in prison. And like, I was like, this is, this seems really French to me. Like there's not a lot of dialogue here. And then the the dialogue does come up. It's like purposeful. And it turns out it's because it was a French film. Um, my problems. What do you think about this movie first? Because you have a higher, you have a higher opinion of it. It's not that much higher than mine. I have a point five higher opinion yeah. of it. Um, but <laughs> like you liked it more than I did. Why? Well, I would say Peter's mom picked this one, and yes. when she talked about the premise, I was all in. I was like, I'm definitely yeah. very interested. She showed in me that. the trailer, yeah. and I was all in. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this looks like it will actually be like well acted out. And then, honestly, I can't fault any of the actors. That's the thing. They didn't have a lot to work yeah. with. So. Yeah. Whenever they were talking, it was great. Like, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. I was very disappointed that the plot with his daughter was such a side plot. Everything was a side plot. That, and that's a great point. Because that the horse in his relationship was meant to be the main plot, but it didn't feel that way. And so when he eventually helps the horse to escape, there's no emotion behind that. Because we haven't seen a ton of him bonding with the horse. We've seen him get pissed at the horse. We've seen him literally punch the horse with his fists. But we don't see a lot of that actual connection. And those few moments where we did actually see the joy on his face when he figured something out and when he was riding and all of that stuff, that was so good, but it was just not present in the movie. Which I will say, part of the reason we were so down to watch this movie was because it was an hour and a half long. And, you know, we watch a lot of movies in a year, we're always down for a short movie. But I do feel like the length of this one really um, impacted the story negatively. Uh, Particularly, like, his his plotline with his daughter is that, um, first of all, when she comes to visit, we don't even know her relationship to him. And I even said while we were watching the movie, I'm not sure you would even know her name if we weren't always watching with subtitles. Because we knew she was Martha from the second she came in, because whenever she spoke, it said Martha in the subtitles. But I don't know that that was ever really... It might have been said once or twice, but it wasn't, like, a big deal. Um, and the, the whole plot line is, like, she is pregnant, and she, her grandmother left the house to her and her father, but her father has been in prison, and she wants him to sign over, you know, sign her emancipation so she can sell the house so that she has money for her baby, and he doesn't want to do it. Um, it's later revealed that he, like brain damaged her mother and like basically gave his daughter a life of like being a carer for her mother for her entire life and like that so obviously they have a very complicated relationship because of that um and it just is like none of it was was done as well as it could have and that's what's so annoying about this movie is i could have loved this movie yeah if if just a couple things were done differently yeah, if they'd given it on another half hour, maybe. Yeah. And, like, actually, or actually just flesh things out instead of just showing us 
You didn't even need to flesh out every character. Just flesh out him. Yeah. And I and I would have been able to like be more invested, but it just was like not there. Honestly, the character with the most like impact and personality is Bruce Dern's character Miles, who kind of like runs this horse rehabilitation. Kill that horse. <laughs> but he he has priorities and passions and like he, he, he's yeah. the only one who does. He's not he's not a prisoner. Right. <laughs> he's a Right, but there's no the whole movie is about a prisoner and supposedly yeah. about his, you know, his feelings and his passions and blah blah blah, but like you just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Even like the auction cuz what happens is they they have this auction, they auction all the horses and then Marquis uh Roman's horse ends up like you know, going off the rails or and balking him and Marcus. Yeah. I, I actually kind of love that part. Is he like it gets really into horses, he's reading a horse magazine, he learns about about this guy, Marquis, but because he is, you know, has been in prison for twelve years or whatever it is, you know, it's not he's not automatically going to pronounce it that way. And so he they spell it Marquis, but it's said Marcus. Um Yeah, which is funny, it's a Belgian guy playing an American guy yeah. who can't pronounce things that are in French, which yeah. the Belgians can pronounce perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean... But anyway, the the auction, he, he bucks him off and all of that, and then they're like going to shut down the program. But the way that that was presented was very anticlimactic. Even though it's yeah. supposed to be like... They're going to shut the program down. Like, why? Because one horse got spooked and punched the dude in the face with his teeth? Like Yeah, it's like... <laughs> you didn't care about that when it happened um, all the other times, just in front yeah, of sure, everybody else. Surely so. this happened before, you know. I mean, I don't, it was just—it was a little ridiculous. I, the, and the fact that the beginning of the movie starts out with all this like title card stuff about the horse rehabilitation program, right? Mm-hmm. And the end of the movie starts and gives you more title card information of the horse rehabilitation program. Gives you some pictures of the origin of the people who would have like you know worked with the horses mm-hmm. um which we were having a fun game of what's the horse's name what's the what's the inmate's name because there are a couple of horses like oh you were having fun my mom was having fun too she thought it was funny <laughs> um but like i mean i i don't know it didn't it seemed and i've seen a lot of reviews for this that were like very respective of the life of the inmates i'm like i don't really know if it was because we see in this movie, there are the guys who are just having a normal time, but they're not the guys that get focused on. The guys who get focused on are violent offender, Roman, mm-hmm. Roman Coleman. There's Henry, who is the nicest dude there, but is also drug smuggling, like, ketamine mm-hmm. out of the horse medicine cabinet or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, which Roman also ends up doing. Yeah. And there's Roman's cell, or Roman's like cellmate who's, I don't know, a Nazi or something, and like murders Henry. Henry. Yeah. Like it's like the the three that actually get like explanation until the very end, where you see the guy who's the Native American, mm-hmm. who, Thomas, who we find is actually the the real life like the guy who was actually one of the rehabilitated prisoners or whatever prisoners in the program. Like until we kind of see him a little more. The three guys we're getting are like the like stereotypical like, well, I guess we're gonna do a bunch. We're gonna you know smuggle drugs and mm-hmm. you know kill each other in prison. Like and then there's like a little a little like scene towards the end where they're like showing us the group therapy where they're talking about 
how long it took them to to make the decision that cost them the next 15 to 20 years of their lives in prison and it's like split second three seconds 20 seconds and it's, it's like that's supposed to be impactful but like the movie it, it felt out of place that seemed like it should have been in a documentary but we were not watching a documentary we were watching horse drama see i felt like that was one of the few parts where i was like invested yeah i know Okay. It was good. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying, like, that was interesting and good. And, like, yeah. would have been cool if it was a documentary and there was, like, a guy making com- like commentating over that or, like, commentating about it or talking to them and we got more of that scene. Like, the interesting stuff about this were the, like, biopic real-life stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The fabricated life story of Roman Coleman was not interesting at all, really, mm-hmm. because they didn't work on it enough to make it to make it interesting. Mm-hmm. So, like, the parts that, that were, like, the best parts were the parts that were supposed to be the real parts. And if they had just given us a more more of a documentary look instead of this drama, mm-hmm. right, then I think it would have been better. It would have been a better movie. probably would have been, like, a three and a half. So, two. You know? Something that would actually have been, like, something that I would have felt, like, was really worth the hour and a half. As opposed to, like, only, like, a you know. Yeah. I will say um, it was interesting to me. Peter and I have been together almost 10 years and I never knew um, how opposed you were to horses. I don't like horses. Was, yeah, I never knew I, mean, I don't hate them. I think they look impressive, right? Like, it's an impressive animal, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, some people really get, like, deep connections with them and stuff. I just don't care, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't I don't care about horses. They, they are, they are, a, they are a, a, an animal that has been bred as a vehicle, essentially. That and it, like the concept of this, I mean, I, it was, it was an interesting concept in that I feel like the program was so good for the prisoners, and so on that hand, you're like, this is a really good thing, but it was so sad that the horses were being taken from their homes, yeah, to to make this program happen. It's so it's just this, like conflict of interest, um, even as a viewer, where I'm just like. I just, uh, I want to be rooting for the horses to not even be here, but I'm also rooting for the prisoners to, like, break them, which is such a horrible way to phrase that, by the way. Mm -hmm. We've been calling it that since the 1800s. I know. It's so horrible. I I hate that. It's despicable, but... We take the the wild out of them. We make them, make them, make them our, our property. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I just... Yeah, it was a short movie. It was this is this is one that I I can't remember if we had we definitely had an underwhelming category last year. If we had had a disappointing category, <laughs> I feel like that's where this would fall because it yes. had so much potential. And it just like did not do the story that it was trying to tell justice, which is just like really disappointing, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. But if you want to see a man try to fight a horse and lose multiple times, then yeah, if you've never seen Perfect. someone actually, like, use their fist to, to punch a horse, a horse, this up. movie is, is for you. Oh, my gosh. Ugh, All right. Well, we will be back next week. We will be back with our regularly scheduled programming. We will be awake when we're podcasting. We won't have done an eight-hour drive the day of. Um, and yeah, until then you can check out our podcast Our this is our podcast. Why do I keep doing this? Our Instagram, which is 5050 films podcast, 
Peter posts on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Monday and Tuesday are sneak previews of the movies that we're going to be watching, and then Wednesday is just a reminder that that's when our episodes go up. We will talk to you next week, hopefully with some movies that are at least hit that four-star range. Yeah.